Alright, so Sarah lived to be 127 years old. These were the years of Sarah's life. Sarah died in Kiriat Arba, also known as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn Sarah and wept for her. Then he got up from his dead, from his dead one, and said to the sons of Hed, I'm a foreigner living as an alien with you. Let me have a burial site with you so that I can bury my dead wife. The sons of Hed answered Abraham, Listen to us, my Lord. You are a prince of God among us, so choose any of our tombs to bury your dead. Not one of us would refuse his tomb for burying your dead. Abraham got up, bowed, showing a sign of reverence, very important in the Middle East. Uh, before the people of the land, the sons of Het, and spoke with them, if it is your desire to help me bury my dead, then listen to me. Ask Ephron, the son of Zohar, to give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, the one at the end of, of his field. He should sell it to me with in your presence, uh, very important, and it, at its full value, even more important, then I will have a burial site of my own. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among the sons of Het, and he gave Abraham, Abraham this answer in the presence of the sons of Het who belonged to the ruling council of the city. No, my Lord, listen to me. I'm giving you the field with its cave I'm giving it to you. In the presence of my people, I give it to you. Abraham bowed before the people of the land and spoke to Ephron in, in their hearing. Please be good enough to listen to me. I will pay the price of the field. Accept it from me. I will, I will bury my dead there. But Ephron answered Abraham, My Lord, listen to me. A plot of land worth 400 silver shekels? What is that between me and you? Just bury your dead. Abraham got the point of what Ephraim had said, so he waited out for Ephraim the amount of money he had specified in the presence of the sons of Hed. 400 silver shekels of the weight accepted among merchants. This is about 10 pounds. Thus, the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which is in Mamre, the field, its cave, and all the trees in, in, in and around it were deeded to Abraham as his possession in the presence of the sons of Hed, who belonged to the ruling council of the city. Then Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah by Mamre, also known as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and its cave have been purchased by Abraham from the sons of Hed as a burial site which would belong to him. Yeah, so, so we begin the chapter by saying goodbye to the first matriarch. Uh, many more would be buried in that cave, as uh, you, get, you all probably know. The, um, uh, one of the stories that I was reading uh, says that 
it was because of the sacrifice that Abraham was asked uh, to do for God that Sarah's health deteriorated very quickly after that. And if you can think about it, seeing her husband and her only son departing, well knowing that that was probably the last time he would, she was going to see her son alive. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure everyone can identify with that and say, oh, okay, yeah, that, you know, makes sense. But So, she dies. Abraham mourns her for a while, and then he goes on to uh, attaining a plot of land. At this point, Abraham is living, of course, in a land that was promised to him in Genesis 15, right? Um, and the promise would come to be uh, eventually fulfilled about four, four centuries later, right? About 430-ish years later. Uh, but for the remainder of his life, this would be the only plot of land in the promised land that he would actually own of his own, right? Um, so he bought that cave, the land, the trees, and all that was around it. And because of that, the Hebrews owned that piece of land to this day, right? And uncontested. Everybody knows? It is Abraham's? No, End of teaching. Contest. No? It's not uncontested. What? Oh, man. So what do we miss? That's right. I know every time I've been to Israel, that's five times, I have not been allowed to go over there and visit that cave. Yeah, and I, I think that started with the uh, the Ottoman Empire, actually. As they rebuilt the cave, uh, that was one of their uh, their restrictions. They actually forbid Jews to actually go back and go into the cave. So now the, the cave of their patriarch, with the matriarchs and all, all the other patriarchs in there, is off limits to them. Um, so it is now located in a land that is occupied by, well, the Palestine, uh, the Pal uh, Palestine, Palestinians. Palestinians. Thank you. Palestinian, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Enemies of Israel. It, it, it is. Um, so this is one of the many. Uh, instances where you see in the in the Bible where there there's actually recorded history, and of course, this has this has been proven to be a truthful writing, tested by time, and um, uncontested as far as the writing is concerned, where Hebrews or Israelites ended up buying a uh, ended up buying uh, uh, plot of land from the owner so you would think that when they, um, we went ahead and divided the land we would have taken that into account and said okay you know what this by law remain, uh, remains in your lineage right um, and that's something I think we should have taken into account since most of those transactions actually 
fit perfectly into ancient uh, Near Eastern law, which says that the owner must set the prize, that there must be witnesses, that it must be in writing, that it must be preserved, all of these things. And some of these things are actually um, archaeological finds that is like, oh, look at this. Here's a deed for a land that there was, you know, so, um, so it's, um, it, it is, the evidence is there, but what happened? I'm sorry? Yeah, well, a little more than that. If you can prove the God of Israel to be a liar, then that's right. There is no promise and everything else falls apart. Right? And that's what, I mean, these guys are dead set on doing that. Not only the Palestinians, I mean, there's all kinds of countries out there invested in, in the... Um, in, in, in the, uh, the people who call themselves Palestinians occupying that land and staying there, right? Uh, not only that, but even it is kind of saddens me a bit that um, politicians, U.S. politicians, very uh, powerful uh, authority figures have actually gone into the land of Israel and called them thieves of the land unlawfully occupying the land, right? Um, one of the, actually, prime ministers uh, showed one of our precedents. And he says, you're calling us um, illegitimate as uh, occupying this land? Let me show you. And he goes over there and reads in the Tanakh. And he goes, okay, uh, here's the prize that was, you know, that was purchased, you know, that, that chunk of uh, plot of land was purchased for Here's that, here's that, right? Um, so Abraham's purchase of the, the cave of Machpelah for 400 silver shekels was only the very first one that you would see, right? Uh, can you guys name another one? Jacob's purchase. You guys remember that one? No? Uh, that's right. So, it, uh, uh, so Jacob's purchase in Genesis 33 where he uh, pitched his tent he also bought that plot of land, right? And then, yes, King David, the threshing floor, who, that would later expand and pay more uh, silver for it. And, of course, another fact that uh, not very many people tend to argue, that's where the, uh, his son Solomon ended up building that temple, the first temple. So whenever they say, no, this belongs to Islam, uh, actually... Let's go back over there. And it is in writing. So uh, that was, um, let's see, I think I've got a few other ones. All right. Ah, there we go. So, so the ones I could find. Uh, and they all were purchased. And they all were in the presence of witnesses, and they all were purchased with the currency accepted for that time. Uh, so, um, so it is one of those things that we, uh, as a nation, we need to be really, really careful whenever we start meddling with uh, 
dividing the land of Israel, right? As we have seen it, yeah. Uh, even to this day, we we are in favor of a two-state solution for Israel, right? Uh, and call it what you want. Uh, and I'm not much of a ah, look at that prophecy fulfilled. But the last time that we said, you know what, you guys should all give up rights to the land, and then we will divide it evenly, and you guys can can have it, was just before COVID, actually. Yeah, and then, that's right. So that was, yeah, just before Katrina as well. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Yes. Well, he witnesses. Yeah, absolutely. He paid what, whatever the owner, the amount that the owner set uh, for the land to be sold. Definitely not worth that much, but he was willing to pay it, right? Uh, And there was a lot of wisdom in that. In this day and age, where we expect to get everything, you know, everything for free or you know something for nothing or always looking for the best deal to where we go to the extremes to just not pay the fair price. Um, I'm not telling you not to shop for bargains. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> that's right. Well, it is, uh, yeah, it, it is one of those things that Abraham was, um, was thinking centuries ahead. He's like, okay, you know what? If um, if I don't acquire that land, if I take it as a gift, if um, I do not let the owner set the price for it, then later on, in trust me, yeah, in Middle Eastern history, I mean, they keep tracking records for thousands of years. And I can assure you that Ephron's descendants would have come and said, you know what? No. We want that land back. Even though it's, um, it was deeded to Abraham, they're still um, fighting for it. So can you imagine if he would just given it to them? Um, so, mm, let me see. The, uh, There you go. Who can recognize that chunk of land there? Yeah. Those 35 acres have probably seen more significant history than any other plot of land in the whole world. Uh, Like we said, uh, King David bought it and it was was deeded to him and he, he paid the fair amount for it. But, you know, when the owner was gone, someone else occupied it. And now they say, hey, no. Uh, there are even claims that say, no, there was never a temple here. It never existed. So if you look at some of the secular, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, some of the, 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 the secular historians, they actually, yeah, they say, oh, no, there's no archaeological finds that, you know, that Solomon even existed. 
So how could he have built a temple there? So, yeah. And all it takes is time, right? Time will pass, and things will just become a little fuzzy, oh, a little hazy, and then be like, okay, uh, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. And it is then we should go back to the deed, right? Uh here. Oh, look at that. So, yeah, a long succession of people who have actually taken the land of Israel. And everybody wanted to rule it for whatever reason. I mean, if you look at it, I can understand certain places like northern Afghanistan, for example. Very rigid in, in in natural resources, you know, places like Africa, you know, there's so much there that, that you could use for, to advance the industry. But here, it is un, uh, it, it is unexplainable as to why so much hatred and so much emphasis in possessing the land. Uh, and as the Israelites commanded by God came over there and occupied that territory which he had given to Abraham. And he says, yeah, you, you will take this land, right? They occupied it. Well, after them came the Babylonians who, of course, destroyed the first uh, temple in uh, 586 B.C., then the Greeks, then the Persians, and then the Romans. Um, so when the Romans came, actually, uh, General Sextus Betuleum, that's one of those, um, laid waste to Hebron and, and the, temp, uh, the uh, Abraham's tomb in, uh, in the cave of Machpelah. So he just, um, if you read the, uh, the recordings of uh, Josephus, he said that he slew everyone, young and old, and just burned down the town. He was just not sparing anything. He just wanted everything leveled. So he was uh, sick and tired of that Jewish rebellion. Uh, then during that time, after uh, a little after, uh, it is said that, and, and of course this is kind of proven true, kind of maybe not, I don't know, but several historians actually talk about it where they say that Emperor Hadrian was one of the first ones who, um, quick fact, just the past time when my mom was in town, she's like, oh yeah, just, you know, we figured, you know, we would uh, name you, give you a biblical name. And I was like, wait. What? <laughs> and she's like, ah, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. And I was like, you named me after Hadrian. I was like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> um, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know if she really did or not, but that was, uh, uh, that's what she said. <clears throat> so, while he was in power, and because of all the acts that he com committed uh, against the Jews uh, in his record, you can tell that uh, maybe it was true that he uh, changed the name 
from Judea to what was, you know, Palestine, um, and then eventually, you know, Palestine and everything, which, may I add, the, uh, the Palestinians are not descendants of the Philistines. So they have absolutely, other than just the name that they took upon themselves, there's no lineage tracing them back to them, even though they will claim that they were there before the Israelites. So um, just something for you to ponder about. Um, yes, ma'am. That's right, yeah. And also, it's very interesting, you know, you said that about these archaeologists that try to say there was no temple and this and that, even though there's all kinds of uh, references, mm -hmm. lots of stuff there. When you read the story of what they claim to have happened at the Dome of Iraq, that is, I mean, there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just this footprint, supposedly, that that's where you step down, but... Or he, yeah, where Mohammed ascended into, yeah, into heaven. But yeah, oh, so the the temple authority in in um, or the I'm sorry, the the, the dome on the rock authority in Jerusalem back in the 1940s actually printed a document that said, okay, the dome on the rock is located right where the temple of the Jews was actually located. Wow. Later on, they're like, oh, okay, whoa, 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 he take that back. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, you know, it is out there. Actually, I think Gabe and I were having um, coffee one day, and he was actually showing me the, the old document that was actually scanned and stuff. And it was the, the historical records in, in Jerusalem somewhere. But, yeah, but so it's, you know, they, they know it, but they refuse to accept it and, and you know, um, because of, you know, the different agendas, you know, but uh, um, if you think about it, years would pass, uh, and then, I guess, would come around the 7th century, the, the Muslims, and then, yeah, the Ottoman Empire, who, because it was a, um, an, a Islamic superpower, they, they said, okay, you know what? Uh, let's rebuild this to in all its glory. And they did. I mean, they did an amazing job at rebuilding the, the cave of Machpelah. But again, made it off limits to everyone else other than Muslims. Um, and then came the British, who took over that land, and then they opened it back up. And back in the 1920s, they sent a, uh, a treaty saying that, okay, maybe the Jews should start coming back into the land. We should probably uh, start uh, accepting them as, as the, um, the uh, in their inheritance of the land, as owners of the land. And they started bringing them back. And later on, they would, have uh, they would divide the land of Israel uh, into a... Again, a two-state solution, right? But they, the way they did it, they gave uh, Israel about 56.5% or something like that. And, uh, well, uh, that didn't suit very well with the other guys. So they said, uh, nope, we're going to fight for it. 
So instead of being a peaceful solution, it ended up turning worse. And, you know, then I'm sure you guys are very familiar with all the, um, yeah, all the wars and everything. And every time that Israel goes to war, even though they are outgunned and outnumbered, they get more land every single time. And they win. Yes. Um, so that should give them a clue. <laughs> Say, okay, hmm. Okay, what, what's going on here? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There are just amazing stories out there, right? So we just went into a very quick history lesson. Why? No? Why did we just spend the past 15 minutes talking about a historical accounts of Israel? Because that land is also your inheritance. In Romans 11, it says that because you are grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, you will inherit a piece of that land. There will be no distinction between you and them. So... Once you, um, once you uh, go on their side, then yeah. Something very interesting that uh, uh, Carolyn Hyde and, and, uh, and I were talking about last time she visited was uh, about how amazing it is how the, the, that the, um, the land responds to the people as the people respond to the land. They, um, after the Palestinians occupied the, uh, the Gaza Strip, right? Before that, it was under the control of, of Israel. And by political pressure by the UN and by us, we pushed Israel out of the Gaza Strip. Well, when Israel was there occupying the land, this is a story that she told me, uh, the Gaza, or Gaza was producing about 80% of all the kosher vegetables in the country of Israel. In that little tiny chunk of land, the second that the Israelites left, the land went barren. To the point where the only way that they can survive in that little piece of land is by foreign aid from all the other Arab nations that are invested in them uh, staying there, uh, I think it's about two to three billion dollars a year that they have to just pump into them to keep them alive because there's nothing and the land gives nothing to them. Very, yes. Okay, a little louder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And our God told us that the only reason that in the Aramaic neighborhoods that they had running water and plumbing is because the Israeli government insisted on it. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah, that's a whole other yeah, discussion for another time. But yeah. Yeah. Over. 
wiping out anything that is smacked from Israel or Israel's presence that the idiotic people went and destroyed all the greenhouses. Yeah. So even if they didn't have anything else, they could have been fortified by those greenhouses. Oh, yeah. But they tore all of that, the irrigation, everything that Israel Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What um, we were talking about, um, Suzanne was saying that that, um, that uh, when the Palestinians occupied uh, Gaza, they also destroyed all the greenhouses with all the interrogation and all the uh, the the required infrastructure to keep on growing things. And yeah, that is actually true. Yeah, Carolyn actually did tell me that they. Uh, the land stopped producing and they themselves ended up uh, taking out the last remainder uh, of hope they could have had. Uh, Steve Ware, you guys remember remember him? No? Um, he was also giving us, a, a, uh, told us another story about how this uh, this Israelite made Aliyah to, to the land and he just found this chunk of barren land and he said, uh, okay, uh, I am to grow a vineyard. God told me to come over here and grow a vineyard. And uh, he took some samples of the, of the soil and took them to the, um, the University of Jerusalem to have them tested. And they said, he, he asked, what, would, what will grow here? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> of course. He's like, no, this, this land is barren. There's nothing in, in here. Well... He's like, well, God told me to grow a vineyard. So he started just drilling holes into the rock and uh, grew a vineyard. Well, right now is like the second largest uh, wine producing uh, vineyard in Israel. Yeah. So people have to actually volunteer to go over there to actually uh, help them prune the vineyards and, and pick the grapes and everything. Yes. Not only is Israel self-sustaining, a little tiny nation like that, surrounded by hostile nations. Not only are they totally sustaining in everything that they grow, but they help the United States and Holland every year to produce bulbs for tulips and also for the poinsettias that are sold in Christmas time. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the, fifth, the world's 15th largest economy, uh, less than the population of L.A., yeah, um, so God gave them this wealth, right? Um, I think, uh, what is it, uh, Deuteronomy, was it 8, 18? Um, uh, where um, the, um, God gave them this wealth for the greatness of his kingdom, right? He, he, um, he gave all the people that, that we were just talking about the ability to buy land, to buy the... Uh, the land that will later again be reclaimed and it will be undisputed. Um, there's also one other time when land was bought that I, um, what humans intended for evil, God intended for good. No? You guys remember that? Luke 22, I think it is. When Judah sells Yeshua for 
what? The price of a slave. 30 pieces of silver. And he <laughs> says, okay, yep, yeah, I'll take that. Well, they, later on he repents and or he... Uh, he no longer wants that silver, so he gives it back to, to the priest. And then the priest said, okay, well, you know what? We can't put it back into the temple treasury. Uh, so we will buy this uh, field over here and bury all the foreigners there instead. Uh, yeah. So the... Uh, hmm, let me see. I lost my place here. Um So that's one of those things that I was wondering, uh, I was pondering about. And uh, I asked, okay, how does that relate to us? I mean, we are uh, bought at a price, right? First Corinthians is, um, says that. And the price was right. The price, the price was set by God. And uh, in Revelation 12, it tells us that uh, the enemy will come and contest that deed. Much like all these enemies of Israel are doing right now with their land. The enemy would love nothing more than to tear up that deed. Uh, but understand that the price was already paid for you. And it was the right price. So the only power that he has over that is the power that you give the enemy. It, he has no power to contest that deed. Um, so he's going to try to get you to doubt in your identity in Messiah, Yeshua, as a child of God. But understand that that's all he can do. He can just try to get you to doubt. Stand firm. Realize that you were already bought at a price. Any questions? Yes? All the discrepancies around the land and the temple only seem to reaffirm more at the bottom of the Oh, absolutely. I mean, as believers, we see it, right? The more detached that we get from Israel, the less evident it becomes the more that we start Americanizing prophecy the less that that becomes obvious but understand that this book is about a group of people called Israel a chunk of land no not Missouri Israel uh, where all the way from beginning to end, it is about that little tiny chunk of land. The enemies of God will try to contest that to their utmost ability. In all the wars. In all the wars. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the little tiny chunk of land. Absolutely. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, so any other questions? Yes. When Adrian asked the question, why do we need to know this kind of history? It's because if you don't know the history and you 
have people contesting it and giving you all these fabulous arguments, you can't argue back. You can't say. You have nothing to stand on. That's the point of having it written down. That's the point of having a, a will or a deed or whatever. Because then you can contest it. And then you can say, this is my land. This was given by God. And these are the parameters. And this is what he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Abba Father, we thank you so much for giving us this time. Thank you for allowing us to see the truth of your word. Thank you for uh, your greatness and your amazing plan that you have of redemption for your people, for your land, for your kingdom. We ask you to please uh, teach us and show us how we can be of better help to bring that plan into fruition. We ask you to please give us the humility and the discernment that we may need in order to understand what it is that you want us to do. We always come to you humbly and everything is within the greatness of your kingdom. In your son Yeshua, our Messiah, I pray. Amen.